Welcome to Open Your Eyes, a podcast about opening your eyes to a new view of life. I'm excited you joined us today. You know, each day we live, we have a series of choices of where to spend our time and what to think and how to go about our day. And some people choose to fill the gaps in their day with worthwhile things, like uplifting podcasts. And doing so just seems to make your day different and your mood happier. This podcast is born from a deep desire to help us all live a happier life. And the firm belief that a powerful way to make that happen is to open our eyes to new ways of seeing life. So hopefully today, in this time together, we will get a new perspective of how to think and live better. Let's get started. Today, I'd like to talk about doing what is great while it is small. In 544 BC, a Chinese grandmaster is credited with being the author of the book, The Art of War. The Art of War is a strategy for winning battles. And it has greatly influenced a number of modern-day leaders. The book is currently used by the United States Army. General Colin Powell studied the art of war. And Douglas MacArthur said, I always kept a copy of it on my desk. So why is this ancient book so popular? Well, its tactics and sense for strategy have influenced business, sports, and political leaders. And the book is filled with incredibly wise sayings and strategies that are applicable to life today, with quotes like, in the midst of chaos, there is also opportunity. Now, my favorite saying from The Art of War is this, plan for what is difficult while it is easy and do what is great while it is small. Now, anyone who has found themselves at odds with another person can relate to the fact that a small and quick apology early can prevent a potentially large disagreement later. Or, if we establish small, consistent habits today, they can lead to doing great things tomorrow. Small things done consistently alter the trajectory of your life. Devin Gonzalez was a 16-year-old and living with her family in Surfside, Florida. Her father was an attorney and worked at a law firm in Miami, and their family lived in a condo near the ocean in Surfside, on the ninth floor of a 12-story building. Devin loved volleyball and hoped to make the varsity volleyball team at her high school, and she already played on a competitive travel club, and she was a skilled player. On June 24th, 2021, Devin had started to doze off in her mother's bedroom. You see, Devin and her mom, Angela, and her dad were watching a movie about 1.30 in the morning. All of a sudden, the ground began to shake like an earthquake. And Devin heard a noise that sounded like thunder. Well, Devin's mom stood up and took Devin's hand and screamed, run. And she just kept screaming again and again to run. Well, because Devin was half asleep, her mother had to drag her out of the room. And despite her mother's best efforts, they didn't make it far. They got two steps out of the bedroom and the floor fell out from underneath them. At first, it just started to cave in, Devin said. And then I fell in two falls, one after another. First, I fell as the floor caved in, and then I fell as everything dropped out from under us. And I just grabbed for my mom as we plummeted four or five floors down through the darkness. When she landed, she crushed the femur in her left leg, and the broken bone broke through the skin, leaving her with a deep and bloody wound. 
At first, Devon thought she was in a dream, but then she realized the unthinkable had happened. Her entire apartment building had collapsed. She was hysterical. She didn't know where her parents were. She didn't know what to do. And she was in tremendous pain. Soon, she tried to calm herself and realized that she needed to get help. Devon screamed out for help. No one answered. She screamed for her mom. No one answered. And for 15 minutes, she kept screaming without any response. Soon, however, rescue teams would reach Devon and then miraculously find her mother as well. Her mother was unconscious, had a broken pelvis, and was pinned under the rubble. But she wasn't responding. And there was no sign of her father. Well, rescue crews would extract Devin's mom, and the two of them would be taken to the hospital. It took days for her mother to open her eyes and months for them both to recover, and Devin's father would never be found. Devin, her mother, their cat, and a 15-year-old young man from another apartment would be the only survivors of the building collapse. In total, 98 people died. Now, the building... Champlain Tower South was built in 1981. It was part of a three-building complex, which were all 12 stories tall. One year before this tragic collapse, the Champlain Towers were inspected, and the engineer doing the inspection drilled into the ground-level concrete slab. What he found was alarming. There was no waterproofing. Now, without waterproofing, the rainwater and salty sea spray had seeped into the steel rebar buried in the concrete. You see, rebar inside the concrete gives concrete strength and stability. But like any metal that's exposed to water or air, rebar can rust and corrode. And as a result of the lack of waterproofing on the concrete, on the night before the collapse, that concrete slab gave way and dropped one story into the parking garage below, which started the collapse of the 12 stories above. Now, in a review of the inspection documents over the years, investigators learned that the building's structural slabs were placed on thin columns without support beams. There was too little concrete over rebar in many places and not enough rebar in others. Additionally, investigators found that the concrete was soft, meaning it contained ununiform and inadequate gravel. As far back as 1996, inspectors reported water seepage into the underground garage and inadequate cover or waterproofing for the rebar. And the report called for one and a half inches of additional concrete on the slab over the parking garage. This simple and small addition of one and a half inches of concrete to serve as a water barrier was never done. And when asked if the simple repair of adding one and a half inches of concrete in 1996 would have prevented the building collapse, the engineers said yes. It is very likely the thing that would have made all the difference. Now think about it. It would have been a relatively small thing to add one and a half inches of concrete to the concrete floor to provide an adequate cover for the rebar than to rebuild the entire building after the collapse. The concrete resurfacing would have cost $10,000 in 1996, but now, with the building collapse, there was a horrible loss of life, damage to so many families, and the owners are facing lawsuits of over $300 million. In the construction of our lives and goals and businesses, we face similar decisions from time to time. 
Should we take the time and make the effort to do what is easy while it is small? Doing so may not seem urgent today, but it can and will lead to something great in the future. For example, let's say in your business, you need to be reaching out to new clients. And when faced with the decision to make those phone calls today, we think, oh, it's such a small thing. One day's phone calling, it's not really necessary. I can skip today. But often days turn into weeks and weeks into months, and then we're out of the habit. And it seems almost impossible to make those phone calls again. Small things done consistently have a cumulative effect and become more powerful the more we do them consistently. And the truth is, it's easy to do something today rather than trying to make up lost ground tomorrow. For example, when it comes to something basic like weight loss and caloric intake, most everyone knows that 3,500 calories roughly equals one pound of weight. So what if you made the small decision to eat right and fast for two meals a week? Well, at 800 calories a meal, that would be equal to about 20 pounds per year. Small decision, big impact. Or let's say you do the small thing of taking a walk each evening for 30 minutes. You know, even for those who exercise in the morning, let's say you add a 30-minute walk each day. Well, for most people, you burn around 200 calories in a 30-minute walk, and that would equal as well about 20 pounds a year. Now, when I added this habit of walking each evening to my life, I found something else. You see, I usually walk with my wife and we talk for 30 minutes about a lot of things. And this has brought more peace in my life and brought us closer as a couple. So here's the thing. Small is easy. Small is fast. Small doesn't take much time. And small is doable. You see, when we set out to do some large effort or make some complicated change, we often don't create momentum so we don't sustain that change. However, small is easy and simple and fast. So you can begin quickly and put small things into practice. And once you get into the habit of doing those small things, you can add on the next small thing. This is a profound way to use psychology to change. And remember, motivation to change is complex. And with complexity, there's so much distance to cover to do everything necessary to change, that we don't always finish the journey. But with small things, the distance is relatively short. So you preserve your motivation to act. And that's why small things work. Small things can bring great results. It's by small and simple things that great things are brought about. You know, the scripture says, aren't ships, which though they be great, and are driven by the wind, turned about and guided by a very small helm? This small part of the ship, the helm, determines where the ship goes, even in the face of great wind. Small things in our life work similarly. For example, it's just a small thing to be considerate and polite. It's a small thing to give the benefit of the doubt and treat all people like they're important. And let's say you decide to do that small thing and put it into practice. Well, over a lifetime, it can become great. In 1844, a young man died in Europe while he was on vacation, and his mother and father were brokenhearted. 
After the funeral, they wanted to do something very special in memory of their son, not an ornate tombstone or anything that would celebrate his death, but a living memorial that would help other people like their son. Now, after considering many alternatives, they wanted to give to education. That would be a living memorial that would go on year after year as a tribute to their son's memory. So they arranged an appointment with Charles Elliott, who at the time was president of Harvard University. President Elliott received this quite ordinary, unpretentious couple in his office and asked them, what can I do for you? They told him about the death of their son, and they explained they wanted to do something special and extraordinary for their son to establish a memorial, something in the field of education. Well, Elliot looked at this unprepossessing couple with impatience and a little disdain. Well, he said, perhaps you have in mind a scholarship. No, said the mother, we had something a little more substantial in mind. We were thinking of something more like a building. President Elliot interrupted her and said, oh, I must explain to you, he said. A building's very expensive, and it would cost millions of dollars. Obviously, Elliot didn't think by looking at this couple and judging their appearance that they were very capable of giving anything of that magnitude. Then in a pause, the mother rose, and she said, Mr. Elliot, what does this entire university cost? Now, you can imagine the reaction of the president of Harvard University as he shrugged his shoulders and muttered, well, millions of dollars. Oh, said the mother, I believe we might can do better than that. And they left. And the story goes on. That following year, President Elliott of Harvard University learned that this plain, unpretentious couple had contributed $40 million to the memorial of their son. The name of the memorial that was to be named after their son presently bears the name of Stanford University. You see, every day you have a choice to do the small things that will make a difference in your life or wait another day. And the habit of doing small things excellently makes us better people. Joyce Meyer tells the story of doing easy, excellent things when they are small. She said as a young mom, like all of us, she often found herself at the grocery store. And at the end of each visit, she faced the same dilemma. After she unloaded the groceries in the car, she wondered, should she return the cart to the place designated for carts? Or try to prop it up against the curb, you know, kicking the wheels crossways to keep the cart from rolling into another car and knowing that it could roll into another car as soon as she left. She said she always had an excuse. Well, no one else returns the cart. It's raining, and that's why we pay those people to come and get the carts. Then one day she realized that if she did her small part, she was serving someone else, and she started to put her cart back every time. Now, it was a small thing to her, but it was empowering to her. And she believes that it was her ability to follow impressions like this and do small things that enable her to make the bigger decisions in life and act on them as well. Small choices are at the root of almost every result in life. And each choice starts a behavior that over time becomes a habit or part of your character. And when you are used to putting the grocery cart back, so to speak, you get used to excellence in other areas of your life. Now, after I heard this lesson from Joyce a few years ago, I started putting the grocery cart back each time I went to the store. And sometimes the people I'm with get frustrated because it takes time in large parking lots to return the cart to its proper place. 
there is something inside of me that feels better when I do it, that it feels empowering and it feels right when I return the cart properly. Small things lead to great outcomes. So how do you start to do this? Well, one of the core principles of open your eyes is this. When you instruct your brain to look for the things you want, you'll begin to see them. When you decide on something, when you set a goal, you instruct your brain to look for what you want. Some call this the law of attraction, and it really does work. Now, there's been a lot written about the law of attraction over the years, but simply stated, it is that when you make a shift in your thinking or seeing, you begin to attract like-kind things that lead to your eventual success. And soon, that attraction brings those things into your life and thinking. Now, lots of spiritualists will say that you're sending positive energy into the universe and that positive energy will attract people and resources and opportunity to help you reach your goals. Now, this may or may not be entirely true, but this I know for sure is true. When you decide, you will notice things that you didn't notice before. You will talk about things more that you're seeking. And that, in and of itself, will bring people and resources into your life to help you find what you're looking for. For example, my youngest daughter is deeply passionate about working for a nonprofit that is doing humanitarian work in the world. And the day she decided this was her goal, things have started to come her way. Because this thing was now on her belief window, she started to talk to professors in this line of work and research. And they led her to the right internships, and she's noticed opportunities she wouldn't have seen or been looking for otherwise. And as a result, she is achieving her goal. Likewise, I've seen many people start small by choosing a goal. And then through small actions and a new view on their mindset of life, they attract what they need to reach their goals. You know, this law of attraction really is magnetic. And we're a lot like magnets. Do you know how magnets work? Well, you see, all matter is made up of atoms. And in these atoms are electrons spinning in one direction or another. And in most matter, like our bodies or the shirt you're wearing, the magnetic fields of electrons spin in different directions, canceling each other out. But in magnets, the electrons spin in the same direction. Therefore, they attract metals such as steel, in which the electrons also spin in a similar direction, making them most attractive to the magnet. And the interesting thing is scientists still don't know why electrons spin in one direction or another. It's still a mystery. One of the prevailing theories is that electrons emit undetectable virtual particles that tell other objects to move in a certain direction. So magnets have hidden particles instructing the electrons to move in one direction or another. Likewise, when you set a goal or make a determined choice, you now have something in your life telling you to attract certain things over another. You become a magnet. Now, here's another suggestion for doing small things well. Remember, what is simple to do is also simple not to do. So to make progress, don't make things complicated. A small thing that will lead to something great comes about just by doing the next right thing. 
I've learned this lesson in my life as I've tried to change longstanding habits that I really don't like. It used to be that when I finally decided it was time to change, that I made these big, elaborate moves, and they rarely worked. Then I finally figured out all I need to do is the next right thing. And all of a sudden, things changed. You see, I may not be able to change my entire course in one day, but I can do the next right thing. So if you've made a goal to exercise, for example, do the next right thing and exercise today. Tomorrow will take care of itself. You see, when you choose right today, you're now empowered to do the same tomorrow. This is like your car whose headlights shine out a few hundred feet. Now, if it was nighttime and you were planning on traveling, and if you insisted on being able to light the entire journey, see the entire journey before you started, you'd never get started. There wouldn't be headlights strong enough. But when you decide to do the next right thing, you see just far enough to keep going. And just like the headlights on your car, you see enough to move fast enough to arrive at your end destination. So do the next right thing. Put the card away. Exercise when you say you will. Make that phone call. Be positive in the moment. And create the habits needed for change. C.S. Lewis wrote, Every time you make a choice, you're turning the central part of you, the part of you that chooses, into something a little different from what it was before. And taking your life as a whole, with all your innumerable choices, all your life long, you are slowly turning this central thing either into a heavenly creature or into a hellish creature. That's why choosing to do the next right thing has such power in your life. Now, most people operate under the assumption that they've got to go big or go home. They think that in order to kick a bad habit or make a pile of money, they've got to do something radical. Go cold turkey or sell their house or move to the beach or put all their chips on the table, go all in. And there's nothing wrong with taking bold action. Life and happiness occasionally demand it. But remember, this is the exception, not the rule. In my opinion, big, bold actions in the balance are not as effective as many of us are led to believe. And while small may not be sexy, small moves are successful and sustainable. You know, when it comes to most life changes that people want to make, big, bold moves actually don't work as well as small, simple ones. So here's another principle that I've learned about small things. When you set a goal, a determined goal, and begin to pursue a certain course or change a habit in your life, you see the need to stop doing some things. And I've noticed when you add on the right things in your life, that those right things begin to crowd out the unwanted things that you need to stop that are consuming your attention and time. For example, let's say you work from home, own your own business, and have a tough time with not letting the things that are online or in social media consume your time. Perhaps when you sit down to work, your work really doesn't start for 45 minutes or an hour because you're reading the latest posts, and this has become a bad habit. So let's say you make the small decision to begin your work each day doing the most difficult things first. Get the tough phone calls out of the way. That way, you don't begin with turning on your computer and letting your mouse take you where it wants to go or is used to going. Just by adding this right small action, it could lead to something great 
in your business. Next, a very important principle, choose the right small thing. You know, we could focus on a number of different actions to reach our goals. Some are less effective than others. So finding the one thing, the the most leveraged small action is critical. You know, for years, I've shown a slide in my presentations about Novak Djokovic. And on this slide, it shows his tennis statistics over time. Prior to 2006, he was ranked low, earned prize money of $250,000 per year, won 49% of his matches and 47% of his points. Then I show his progress over the next decade on one important thing, his percentage of points won. It's interesting, Novak's percentage of points won only improved from 47% to 55% over 10 years. Not a huge increase, but this one small thing has led his matches one percentage to go from 49% to 90%, and his earnings increased to $14 million per year. Just like these tennis stats, I've learned that we only need to make slight improvements in some areas of our life to see large results. For example, if you want to be more healthy, consistent exercise will have more impact than just about anything you can do. Now, as you focus on the right small thing, remember, few things work perfectly at first. You've got to create action-oriented momentum. Now, many farms have a hand pump connected to a water well. Some of you have seen these hand pumps. And with the water in the well many feet below the ground, you've got to get the water to the surface. And to do that, you have to pump the handle over and over again, sometimes much longer than you think is necessary. But as you do, the water inches up closer and closer to the surface. And once there, the water begins to flow almost without pumping the water at all. And so it is with many of the things we're trying to change, even these small efforts. It takes purposeful effort for a while, even when you don't see results, to get the momentum necessary to keep the results coming. And this goes for calling prospects, losing weight, or breaking with habits. Now, in doing the right small things in your life, remember, small has a sister, and her name is Simple. Keep things simple. A confused mind says no. So the more you can simplify your actions or your thinking or your goals, the more powerful they will be. A few years back, my son called home from college, and he was struggling with his economics class. He said, I study and study and can't seem to get a good score on the test. And I don't know if I'll ever be able to learn this stuff. I'm thinking about changing my major to something that makes more sense. He was inside the fog of discouragement and unable to rise above it. And as a result, he wanted to quit or go around it. So I started asking him some questions. And I found these simple questions are empowering when facing almost any difficult situation. What small and simple thing, even if it only took a few minutes each day, could you do to improve your understanding of the materials in your economics class? Well, he said... I could go to the study lab and practice teaching the principles to someone else. I then asked him, well, what if you did that every day for the next three weeks? Would you likely do better on your next economics test? He replied, yes. I asked him, could you find time to do that small activity today? And again, he replied, yes. 
You see, this simple idea to spend an hour in the lab each day was the answer. It was behavior design at its best because it solved several problems. You see, in the lab, you have nothing to do but focus on economics. And you have others around you who are interested in the topic. And you have help and can ask questions. And he established the habit of doing this one hour each day. This simple solution changed everything. Remember, simplicity changes behavior. So let me ask you, what small and simple thing, even if it only took a few minutes, could you do today and each day following to change that habit you want to change or reach your goal? You see, you don't have to tackle everything at once. By starting small, you can begin acting without being overwhelmed by the enormity of the problem. And in my experience, the most successful people around us have very clear and simple goals. Their goals are simple and they've reduced the complex to the most important simple things they need to do to reach success. And this gives them clarity. And clarity is powerful. So this brings us to the last suggestion of the day. Small things that are easy to do are very much like adding the inch and a half of concrete needed at the apartment building in Surfside, Florida. When we see the small things that need to be done, we must act and act quickly. Be apt to act. This is an incredibly useful habit. For example, when you brush your teeth and think I should floss my teeth as well, my dentist keeps telling me that it makes all the difference. Floss right then. (laughs) Be apt to act. When you're prompted to drink more water to be healthy, do so immediately. Be apt to act. If your vitamins are sitting on the counter, but you're running out the door, take them anyway. Be apt to act. Small actions done immediately will, over time, bless your life. And research has shown that what they call anchor moments can help us be apt to act. You see, an anchor moment is something that is already part of your daily routine that can be a catalyst event to prompt action. For example, let's say you want to become closer to God and decide to pray each day. An anchor moment might be when your feet hit the ground in the morning. If you've decided that is when you pray, then each day when your feet hit the ground, your mind will prompt you to pray. Perhaps you want to become a person who expresses gratitude more often. So you decide at the beginning of any conversation that you'll let the person know that you appreciate them. So the anchor is the start of a conversation. And that's when you're prompted to express gratitude. You say something like, John, thanks for taking time for me. You know, I'm so grateful for your friendship over the years. Soon, at the beginning of every conversation, your mind will prompt you to act. And the more you follow through and do this, the more that prompting will remain a part of your life. The point is that anchors, an existing routine in your life, can remind you to do the small behaviors that can bless your life. So, as we wrap up today, remember that when your life needs immediate change, like the apartment building needed a simple one and a half inches of concrete, do that small thing immediately while it is easy. Most small things have to do with people, and that's why it's so important to do the small things to foster positive relationships when they are small. And small, consistent actions over time will alter the trajectory of your life. 
And when you decide to make the right small choices, they can attract, like a magnet, the forces in your life needed to make the change you want. Don't forget, establish anchors to prompt you to behave and do what you set out to do. And remember, what is simple to do is also simple not to do, so be apt to act. And as you do the easy, small things now, I'm certain you will see great things come to pass in your life. Thanks for being here today. And don't forget to share this podcast with a friend and join us next week for another podcast as we learn to open our eyes to who and what we can become. 